You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back everybody to season two of Beach Season. I, I can't believe it myself when uh, Steven Serta and Pete Sweeney came and said, hey, you guys have been renewed for a second season of each season. I said, are you drunk? Do you, like, are you kidding me? Like, like after the the misses and some hits we had last year, you guys are bringing us back for a second year. I love it. I mean, I obviously was humbled and, and graciously accepted and told me it was the smartest decision that they've made in their professional careers. But I mean, seriously, are they drunk? Right, you know, so uh, welcome everybody back to season two of each season. I am your host, Rocky Magana. Uh, once again, um, joined by our resident heel and Raiders fan, and also co pilot for this year of each season, Kramer Sansone, who you usually see behind the glass in the post game shows. Uh, Kramer, so um, you know, screw you for being a Raiders fan, but welcome to each season. I love you too, Rocky. It's great to be finally getting the call to, you know what, chop it up with some uh, Chiefs talk. I, I, ooh, I'm so ready for this. I mean, take everything he says with a grain of salt, people. This guy may be trying to sabotage us from the inside. So uh, we're going to, we love him. He's a great guy. He's a total sweetheart, regardless of him being a Raiders fan. He's the sweetest guy you'll ever meet. So we'll, uh, we'll keep him around just because, you know, he's, he's such a kind human. But, uh, oh man, I love you, don't, Rocky. Thank you very much, but don't believe a word that he says about who the Chiefs should draft. He's probably trying to sabotage us. Um, so following up, we also, guys, we, we're super lucky today. We have the resident cap expert over at Arrowhead Pride, one of the smartest guys you'll ever hear talk about Chiefs football, the cap numbers, free agency, the draft, anything in between. He's also an awesome writer, one of our senior writers over here at Arrowhead Pride, um, a math guru. The Mr. Numbers himself, Jared Sapp. Jared, thank you so much for being on uh, episode one of each season for 2024. Thank you so much, Rocky. And I think John Dixon might have something to say about who the Arrowhead Pride cap guru is, but I'm really excited to be here tonight. Listen, John Dixon is the GOAT. He's the Peyton Manning. He has the six championships. But you're the Mahomes of cap numbers. And I love and respect John Dixon more than anybody else in the world. But you're the one that's sitting on my show right now in front of me. So you're the one I'm going to compliment currently. If John Dixon was sitting where you're sitting right now, I'd be saying the exact same thing to him. But he's not. You are. So sure. for now, for tonight, for February 18th, where we're when we're recording this in 2024, you are the resident cap expert for Arrowhead Pride. All right. So anyway, moving forward, uh, before we dive into uh, the draft free agency, we're going to talk a little bit of Shrine Bowl, East West Shrine Bowl today, because Jared was on site there. Um, free agency, guys are leaving, guys we might want to come in, um, guys who did she sign to reserve futures contracts. We'll get into all of that here in, a, here in a little bit. But first things first, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the tragedy that happened at the parade. Um, and a lot of people that we all know were 
were there at the parade in that situation in very close proximity, including Kramer um, and a lot of other people, uh, guys who work at Arrowhead Pride. Um, this this podcast goes out to all Chiefs Kingdom. So, I mean, I'm sure there's people listening who had people who were directly injured and, and influenced by that. And first things first, guys, I just want to say we are heartbroken and we are heartbroken with you for the trauma and the violence and everything that you guys had to witness. We live in a broken world full of broken people who do terrible things. And whether you know somebody who was struck by a bullet or whether you just heard the bullets or whether you saw it on TV, trauma takes numerous, numerous different forms. And there is no right way to respond to it or to handle it. So whatever you're feeling right now, however you're reacting, whether you're scared, sad, angry, shutting down, going numb, it's all normal. There's nothing wrong with you for how you respond to this. There is no right or wrong way to respond to trauma. Everybody who was there suffered a traumatic event. And so if you know somebody who was there, check in on them, make sure they're okay, be there for them. Let, don't press them, but let them talk to talk, be, be available to talk about it. Um, just love on each other. There's people who lost people who lost somebody at the parade. There's other people who have their children and children's mercy right now. If that's, if that's you who's listening to this right now, God, I am so sorry. Like you, we love you. We are thinking and we are praying for you. And I know that those seem like those are empty thoughts and prayers are empty comments at a time like that, but you are forefront of our minds. And we, we, we love you sincerely. Um, and Kramer, like I said, you were very, very close to the incident. Um, I don't, whatever you feel, if you, if you feel comfortable talking about it, um, I would welcome you to, and I would love for you to, but if you, if you don't, then like I said, man, it's, it's whatever you feel comfortable with. I mean, I mean, you hit it to a T. I mean, right now I've the first last night, I was able to sleep 10 hours for once. And I was like not sleeping well whatsoever since then. Because I was probably about 25 to 50 yards away from it. I heard all the shots, even above on the media high rises where we were at. Heard all the pops. Um, yeah, it was freaky. Uh, seeing people run, like trying to get the hell out of Dodge, is was just insane. Um, like I was like where I was at. I was actually going to go towards the Union Station, use the restroom, and seeing the like the officers like guns out going in there to like basically protect people clearly. Thankfully, there was no shooter inside the Union Station, thankfully. But the fact that, like, why? Like, why are people even there with guns? Just we're we're there to celebrate. And hell, I feel, I feel honestly at times feel terrible, like, even celebrating the fact that that was like, there's a Super Bowl parade there. Like, this, that should have been cherished. Like, I actually had a good time prior to the event. I was vibing and with every single Chiefs person there. I mean, I was, I was happy. Like, I was excited. But then something, a senseless act like that. That I know, like I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Like, to the like, yeah. But man, I can't get the stuff out of my head. But it's slowly but surely it will go. But man, it's not a sight no one should ever live through or be near no. or seeing any of that crap. A hundred percent. It's it's not something normal for a human to uh, interact with, and. There's a book written by a guy named um, Basil Vanderkolk, and I think I tweeted it out a couple of days ago. It's called "The Body Keeps the Score," and he's pretty much the um, 
the Andy Reid of trauma research and therapy. He wrote the definition for PTSD. Like he is like the dude. And the reason why the book is called The Body Keeps the Score is because um, when you witness something like that, it, it doesn't go away unless you you seek out treatment for it or you talk about it with somebody. Um, your body just stores it somewhere in itself to, 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 to protect itself. Because like I don't really have an appetite right now. I'll tell you this, that be honest, I force myself to eat. I hundred percent believe it. Um, it's not something I talk about a lot, but I am currently going to therapy on a weekly basis to address um, some trauma, some some trauma from my childhood in my life, and um, it's been with me my entire life. It's not something that goes away. So. If it's if it's something that you feel like that if people out there listening, to something that you feel like you need help with, and that you know your body is just going to store it somewhere, um, and so talk to people, seek out the help. There's resources. There's out nothing there. wrong um, with that. Nothing wrong with that no. at all. Seeking help, I did it, and everything. It's yeah, like seriously, talk to somebody. Nine eight eight is the hotline if you just need an instant right now. A hundred percent. I mean, a lot of men I think think that it's a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. Like the str- like like um. In the, I heard somebody say this, and it's never made more sense to me than anything else. Asking for help is not giving up. It's refusing to give up. Giving up is doing nothing and shutting down and then letting, letting that trauma dictate your life. Re- reaching out and saying, I'm not strong enough, I need help, is one of the strongest things that you can do. That is refusing to give up. So anybody who's out there, Please ask for help if you need help. Be there for each other. Love each other. Um, with that said, we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk some cheese football. We're going to talk some cheese draft. We're going to um, get a little bit more lighthearted. But I think it's given the situation that we're currently in, it would be we would be remiss and insensitive, and we would be a holes if we didn't at least address it and talk about it. Um, so let's shift the conversation um, here from that to. Jared, can the Chiefs three-peat? What's your take on that? It's never been done, even with some very good teams that went back-to-back. I mean, I think we have to start by admitting that they can. I think the first thing that's really playing up to their favor is I think the Chiefs will again be in a very winnable division next year to where it's, barring injury, it's hard to see them not as a playoff team. Um, I think the Chargers are probably going to take a mulligan year with their cap situation and probably get some money off the books. And I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a process to get uh, the crew Jim Harbaugh wants in there. Who's going to be the quarterback for the Broncos next year? If the Raiders can solve their their quarterback situation, I think Kramer's Raiders can make a playoff run, but I don't think that there's a lot – they can do to where they should be on the Chiefs level next year. I mean, the Chiefs have a very div- winnable division. So when you it's when you have that, it's like you're starting a 5K, like 1K into it. Like they have a head start on what they need to do. So so Kramer, why will the Raiders crap the bed and why will the Chiefs three P? I, I don't think they're gonna crap the bed per se, but the Chiefs could I think the Chiefs could easily three P and like what Jared said, this is an actual this once they get the quarterback situation figured out, this is a playoff contending team. You saw the defense play last year, actually outplayed the offense for once. I haven't seen that in my entire time watching Raiders football. But 
that's the Chiefs are so far ahead on the Broncos, on the Chargers. It's funny. I love people are saying Chargers are. Oh yeah, it's, oh Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean I'm a Michigan guy, so I, I enjoy I enjoy watching Jim Harbaugh there. But with Jim Harbaugh there in Los Angeles, so many holes, so 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 many holes he needs to fill. They're not even. Please, if I see another, oh, it's the Chargers year. Stop. You're kidding yourself. This is this is the Chiefs division still, no matter what. So well, they have they, they have a leg up. Go ahead, Jay. Wait till they see what the Chargers do to get out of cap hell before they say it's the Chargers year. Well, and the, the Chargers will always be the stepchildren to the Rams in LA. And let's be honest with Jim Harbaugh. If we've learned one thing about Jim Harbaugh, he's a very good coach. He's a very successful coach. He also is a coach with an expiration date at every single place that he goes to. He's not a guy who's going to coach somewhere for 20 years. He's going to rub people the wrong way. Yep. Three years, something like that. He's going to win some games, but then he's going to be out. So if you think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be building a dynasty, think again. Um, So before we move on, so let's see here. I, so I think the Chiefs are going to three-peat. I'm putting my flag in the ground. I'm saying, yes, they're going to three-peat. Jared, do you think they're going to three-peat, yes or no? Um, you know what? I'm going to ride high on fandom. I'm going to say yes. All right, Kramer. Are they going to three-peat, yes or no? I Yes. They, I feel actually confident that they can actually three-peat. All right. We have three yeses, and for the fourth to make it – to make it a certain we're going to go to the most knowledgeable source and most infallible source of knowledge in the world, aside from chat GPT, the magic eight ball. And so we're going to ask the magic eight ball. Will the chiefs three Pete outlook is good. There oh, you go. Everybody, the magic eight ball has said it. And the chiefs are going to three Pete as super bowl champions, carve it in stone, start, start, start um, hanging the next banner already. Um, <laughs> It's it's a beautiful day to be a Chiefs fan, riding high on our third Super Bowl, our Bowl victory. We're going for a fourth, our third and five years. Sorry, our fourth total Super Bowl victory, going for a fifth total Super Bowl victory. Um, let's talk about Chiefs cap situation a little bit here. Um, our uh, Tom Brady of cap situations on Arrowhead Pride, John Dixon, currently has the Chiefs at around fifteen point five million dollars in cap space jared um is that that's 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 still currently accurate that's going to be about as accurate of a number as we can get i know if you go on to spot rack today i think they have it at about 24 million but they also they have not put in the numbers for the chiefs free agents futures reserve free agent signings to where they don't actually have a 51-man roster that they're counting it on. Um, the thing about cap, and because the Chiefs kind of had their struggles earlier in the season, I feel like maybe some Chiefs fans were on to offseason and the cap earlier, and we were looking at like, wow, the Chiefs have a $40 million cap according to a certain website. Well, that certain website was operating with a $260 million cap that was never going to happen. And at the time, the Chiefs only had like 33 players signed for 2024. So that number never meant anything. Um, but John Dixon's number is good. We've gone through and we've looked at the service time of all the reserve free agents to kind of estimate because they're going to make the minimum salary. So we've, we've put in what their minimum salary will be for each one of them. And we feel pretty confident that that's as reasonable of a guess as you're going to get what the chief's cap currently is awesome awesome so we're gonna have 15.5 million dollars 
obviously that's not going to get you Chris Jones and the Jerry's need for $15.5 million. Uh, Kramer, what you got, man? So like they're going to restructure contracts clearly here at some point. So we know something's going to open up because we know Brett Veach likes to dabble into his money tree, likes to shake it every once in a while. And it just falls with this unlimited amount of money. Like when, how soon does that need to happen? The biggest misconception of internet GMs is that the salary cap is the budget. I can do all kinds of work and I've done all kinds of work that I'm, hopefully about to share with you all that I'm going to be writing about this week about what the Chiefs can do to open more cap. What I can't do, I can't sit here and tell you this is the amount of money Brett Veach has from Clark Hunt to spend on free agents. We don't know that. Um, Just because they can open cap room, there's no reason to open the cap room that you know you can't write a check to fill is the thing. So... That's now I anticipate you got a three peat on the line. I anticipate if there's an off season where the hunt family is going to be like, we can do this. I, I would hope it's going to be this off season, but again, just because they can create cap doesn't always mean they're going to, if they know they're not actually going to spend the money. Well, let's dive into that just a little bit here and talk kind of about what are some things that, that for chiefs fans out there who are thinking that, okay, um, you know, Clark and the Hunt family are saying, we're going for the three-peat. We're going to open the checkbook this offseason. Uh, what are some things that the Chiefs can do to currently create more cap space on paper if they were willing to open the checkbook and spend it? So there's three players who have a sizable just, I cut this guy, I open up a lot of cap. I only really think that's going to happen with one of them, the three players who they could cut to open up a lot of cap would be wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. They can cut him and create $12 million of cap like today. I think they're probably going to cut him. We've also kind of cut Sammy Watkins and Frank Clark before their time earlier. If something happened and they said, I mean, Marquez had the worst year of his career. If there's ever a year where you could build a crazy contract, with not likely to be earned incentives. Like you could cut his salary by $8 million and say you get $5 million of it back when you get 35 catches. Like it's would not be that hard to create a restructure. I still kind of think they're going to cut him though, because they Justin Watson is still under contract. And I think that's just kind of a shortcoming of the chiefs wide receiver room this year was to have a third of your room being Valdez Scantling and Justin Watson when they, pretty much do the exact same things, but you can, you can clear $12 million by cutting Marquez Velda Scantling. If they were to restructure him, I think it would still probably clear nine, $10 million. I, he's not going to play in Kansas city on his salary. Uh, the other two cut candidates, Justin Reed, you could clear over $10 million by cutting him. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they, signed Steve Spagnola to uh, extension with and said, hey, by the way, the person who helps your communication, who helps your secondary run so well that so much of your defense runs through, we're going to cut him. I don't think that's going to happen. And if you think back a couple of years ago, they let Tyron Matthew uh, finish his contract. who had like a contract number twice as big. But if it were to happen, you could clear about $10 million cutting Justin Reed. The other one, you could clear a little over $6 million by cutting Charles Amenahu. I think that would be a very 
jerk move. I think that probably is not going to be. I think the payoff, it's not as much money. It's a little, it's a little less than $7 million. I think that would do a lot of damage to you, like for your reputation. And I also think if anything, they'll probably maybe try to extend it for a year to maybe push a little of that down the road when hopefully he'd be able to play a whole season. But those are the cut possibilities. I'm going to guess that they create about $12 million cutting Marquez Valdez scaling. Yeah. I, Given given those options, I would probably say that's the one that sounds the most likely. Like you're right, Marquez Valdez Scanlon is not going to play in Kansas City under his current contract next year. No. Whether they cut him and then maybe they bring him back for a few million dollars if they, there's not a lot of you know takers in the free agent market, and whether or not they should do that is a conversation that we can have at a later date. Uh, but he's definitely not going to play on that big of a contract next year. And the Justin Reed one, Spags likes having a veteran. On the back end, he 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 like that's why he signed Tyran Matthew as soon as he got here, and then almost immediately following that, as soon as Tyran Matthew leaves, they bring in Justin Reed. So I don't I don't see that happening either. The Charles Aminahue one, which you got to think about with something like that is Charles Aminahue has inside outside ability. If we end up losing Chris Jones, then we need that interior pass rush there, and then also, okay, you're going to save six and nine trade acquisition next year. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't think and, he's going to play the whole year. But if you get him week wait week eight, that's like trading for a pass rusher, which we beg the Chiefs to do every year. Well, yeah, and, and if you go ahead, Kramer, and like I mean, honestly, if it's me, I'm cutting Charles Minahue. I It sucks that he ended up tearing his ACL, but he still won a Super Bowl. He can at least uh, hang that on his hat and, and mana for that. But here's also they can easily cut him and re-sign him. I mean, there, there's like there's nothing that has stopped the Chiefs ever doing so, signing a guy late mid-season, even if he is healthy or not at the beginning of the season. It just I think it makes more sense cutting him, and I mean, clearly MVS as well. But here's the deal: if you're going to cut somebody like a Minahue, yeah, you save six and a half million dollars, but you got to get an interior or slash edge pass rusher that can have the same amount of production and the same amount of juice for six million dollars at that point. But did and we think he had his production? I mean, I mean, late in the season, I thought he had pretty good production. I could. Yeah, I was actually there. shocked. What do you think, Jared? I mean, you'd also still have a pretty big dead money hit if you cut him. I don't think they're going to cut him as much as try to maybe see if they can tack a one-year extension on that maybe moves some of his 2024 money a year down the road and maybe gives him a chance to earn some money back with incentives when he's healthy. It would be my guess. I don't think they're going to cut him. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not ideal that he had a suspension to start the season and then ended up getting injured and he's going to miss half of the next season. I mean, it's it's definitely not an ideal situation. I don't think they move on from him, but like I said, we could we could be wrong. Um, let's talk a little bit about these reserve futures contracts that the Chiefs restructures. Um, oh, oh, restructures. I didn't get yeah. to the restructures. Oh, get. Oh, sorry. I apologize. I, I'm moving too fast here. Jared, thank you for stopping me. Restructures. Let's go. Hit us with some restructures. Um, the Chiefs can do. If I had to predict the first restructure that'll happen, I think it'll be Jawan Taylor. Um, Jawan Taylor has a twenty million dollar salary guaranteed for next year you can't get out of it there's nothing you can do that gets out of it um it's really just a matter of are you going to charge it to the 2024 cap or the 2025 cap um if they restructure him they can open up 12.5 million dollars really easily so 
I think that will be the first thing that happens. Um, they could do one more struck restructure for Joe Tooney to open up about $7 million. And Joe Tooney has been like the official bank of Brett Veach for the last couple of years. I don't, I think they'd probably rather leave his contract alone because his last year of his contract in 2025, the cap hits already getting crazy. Um, Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes is going to be the interesting one because with this new contract, they can restructure him and open up about $35 million if they want to. The problem is 2026, 2027 already loom. And yet, I mean, if you restructure him, you're probably going to have him have a $70 million cap hit two, three years from now. Um, I think they will restructure Mahomes, but with the new deal he signed last season, they don't have to make that decision now until May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. They used to have to make that decision immediately at the start of the offseason. So I think it's going to kind of be they will restructure him, but they're going to probably wait a little while to see how much of that money they need. Um, a wild card is going to kind of be Travis Kelsey. I don't. I personally think that next season is probably going to be Kelsey's last. I think the Chiefs are probably going to be operating under that assumption. I think at some point they're probably going to move a little bit of Kelsey's 2025 salary up this year and probably give him a restructure that gives him a raise and lowers his cap number. But I think those things will probably come a little down the line when they might know more about how much money they actually need. Cinco de Mahomes, though, everybody. It may, uh, it may be a $35 million uh, gift to Chiefs Kingdom coming around that time per Jared Sapp. Uh, well, you're going to pay for I, it. I see you, I see you, uh, I see you giggling over here in your little little square on because, our screen here. What's going on? So, like, my mind just processing the fact that Mahomes, like, his structure, like, his contract's going to get restructured. Like, that's just, in a given mind, that's what I think is going to happen. Who cares what the dead cap is? It's not like they're going to cut him or anything. So it's not like it's going to affect anything. So it's keep on doing that. And I think the Chiefs will be fine. I mean, it just honestly, me. honestly, just keep kicking the can down the road for the next 15 years. And then the Chiefs are going to have to do a complete rebuild whenever he retires anyway. So just suck for five years after Mahomes retires. and Because his him. contract can get restructured every single year, correct? Pretty much. But I think... If you look at his numbers now on spot tracker over the cap, if when he got this raise this year, they literally took some salary from future seasons and moved it here. Like he has like a $60 million cap hit right now scheduled for 2026. And then like 2029, I think he's only scheduled to make like $15 million. Like the next time they do something with Mahomes' contract, it's going to be like we're tearing up this deal and we have a brand new eight, 10 year deal. So then why not restructure it? Right. Cause if you're going to be tearing up the contract and doing an entire new eight, 10 year deal, then exactly. it's not really going to matter anyway. I, I, I think they'll probably take close to the maximum out from his contract. They can this year and really probably go all in um, for this three peak. Mm, I love, you love to hear it. You love to hear it, Jared Sapp. Okay. Uh -huh. So, uh, is there anything else that the Chiefs can do besides the restructures and the cuts? And that's that's any, pretty much it. But, any piggy like banks? Also, any... <laughs> I mean, the big thing that uh, 
the big thing that people just also don't think about when you're thinking of contracts, if you sign a free agent, their first year hits always going to be low. Uh, what really has the Chiefs in pretty good shape for the cap is um, their 2025 cap is really clean. I'm I'm pulling up over the cap right now. I, I prefer spot track, but over the cap's faster. Um, they're estimating that in 2025, the Chiefs currently have $97 million in cap room available. So when you sign free agents in 2024, you're really spending 2025's cap. So they're they're in good shape. Yeah, 2024 money is all going to be like signing bonus and right. and, and and everything like that. Um, and so the one Kramer. thing that would really help with the cap is, uh, like Adam Schefter today said, they're probably not going to use the franchise tag on Chris Jones, which is like I think 32 million dollars. If they could find a way not to use the franchise tag on Jones or Legereus Sneed, I mean, that that helps manage the cap. Because once you have that franchise tag amount in, all that money, all that cap money is tied up from that instant. Yeah. So, the what's the franchise tag on a cornerback right now? What, like 20 million, something like that? Like 19, I think. Yeah. Somewhere um, around there. So, not, not, a, not something you want to pay this year. And Chris Jones, it doesn't matter what the defensive tackle rate is because he falls under the 20, the 20% rule. Um, his franchise tag would be 120% of his cap number for this year. So, I mean, you're talking $33 million, I think. You're talking all your, Mah- all, your Mah- all your Mahomes money going straight right. into a Chris Jones <laughs> franchise tag. Well, I mean, he um, was actually, it- he was happy. He actually said he's going to come back. He didn't you hear it at the parade. Like he said, "I'm coming back. We're three peating." I think that uh, I think that uh, he a he wants to three peat, and I think that there's a lot to be said about just learning that it's not so bad where you're currently at. That it's that you know if you can make a lot of money, maybe not the most money, but you can make a lot of money, and then also be very successful and have a chance to do something that nobody's ever done before. There's something I'm talking like a fan here, not like if it was me, like if he wants to go out and say, give me as much money as I can possibly get, I can get $38 million somewhere signing with the Raiders. Then God bless you, Chris Jones, go get paid. But speaking as a fan here, there is something to be said about taking a little bit less money and having a chance to do something nobody's ever done in history. And I think that that may be playing into some guys' mind at this point. Um, Yeah. And so, Let's just hope that, you know, Lamar Hunt's been stashing away cash and mattresses. You know, you know that the uh, Hunt family has always been known as a very, uh, as a very poor, poor family. I think, what was it? Uh, 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 Lamar Hunt's father back in the day when uh, Lamar Hunt first started the, um, the, the Dallas Texans, he lost a million dollars their first year. And, when they were, when they were, when they were playing and somebody asked his dad about it and he was like, did you know your boy lost a million dollars on his football team last year? And his dad's response was, this is back in like the 50s. His dad's response was, that's very concerning. My boy's going to be broke in 150 years <laughs> or something like that, right? Like, like the, the, Lamar, the, the Hunt family. Lamar Hunt's, Lamar Hunt's dad was literally the dude that J.R. Ewing on Dallas was based off of. Like, I'm not making that up. Yeah, there's there's no shortage of cash of, of liquid cash in the Hunt family. Um, went, and so, went to a barbecue restaurant in Fort Worth one time, and I had a chief shirt on, and the waiter said, oh, the Hunt family owned these Wagyu blend cows that this brisket came from. Wow. 
Wow. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So uh, we've talked a little bit of uh, what the Chiefs can do to create the money. Um, they've also signed some uh, reserve future guys to uh, some contracts recently. Um, they got, uh, you know, teams all around the league do this at the end of the year. They um, sign these guys to these reserve futures contracts to retain the rights to them to kind of fill out their 53 man rosters. Um, you know, some names on here that the, for Chiefs that Denaric Prince, Truman Jones, Moncho Washington, Matt Dickerson, Chris Ola, Ola Dukun, um, Isaiah Gaithings, um, Keontae Ingram. Any of these uh, names um, jump out to you or any other names, you know, from other teams around the league that kind of jump out to your players that might be available that the Chiefs might be interested in? Uh, Jared? Um, first of all, um... I'm going to say Jason because that's the name he seems to use on Twitter, but tackle Jason Godrick was assigned to the Chiefs through the International Pathway Program, and they had a free roster spot for him. And now they've decided to sign him to where they do have to keep him on the 90-man roster. So whether it goes on from here or not, that that's a good accomplishment. Shout out to him. Um, the player who I'm most interested of their futures contracts is they signed a defensive tackle named Isaiah Bugs, who's actually played in 56 games. Right now, Neil Farrell's the Chiefs' only defensive tackle signed for next year. So if I had to say somebody had an inside track, I'd probably go with him because there's no one else. Yeah, I mean, and then you got guys like um, Truman Jones, who was always kind of like a developmental prospect. Uh, Daenerys Prince had a lot of hype last year as an undrafted free agent. People thought that he might make a, an impact in the backfield. He didn't, but maybe, you know, second, second uh, year on the squad. Uh, Kramer, anything jump out to you on any of these reserve features guys? I, I mean, I'm always a big fan of Washington. I thought it was a good move when they did call him up when they needed to before they made the McCall Hardman trade and then decided to trust Richie James back there. But I think he, I think he deserves to be a chief still. I think he can also add to that wide receiver room because he's a shifty, little slot guy that can actually do some work and we see the hands the chiefs have and i think he can add to it i think that hands are going to be a uh a must for any any yeah. wide receiver that comes into this this wide receiver room you're not going to see guys who have suspect hands either getting drafted or signed by the chiefs um, this, this offseason so i wrote this up for the site i i wrote the news report about the reserves signings um, the question I saw in our comment section and then I saw again on social media is like, well, why not Mike Pinnell? If you're reserve future signing, you're pretty much agreeing to be an unpaid intern until you make the team. Mike Pinnell is a big man who's 32 years old. Mike Pinnell is not going to go sleep in those dorms in St. Joseph if he's not guaranteed a spot on the team. Um, maybe he does this thing again where he rests up part of the season and maybe signs for half a season, but like that, that's just not a real, it's not realistic that you're going to get Mike Pinnell to agree to this contract that at 32, that these borderline NFL talents are. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, no. And God bless Mike Pinnell. He can play half a season and win a Super Bowl, tro- win a Super Bowl rig and then, and then go rest for another for another eight months until the Chiefs need him again. I mean, the man's a the man's a personal hero of mine. Dude's a bounty hunter. Yeah. And uh, I mean, New England and the Chiefs. Yeah, go ahead, Jared. I am interested in a player they signed outside the organization. They signed cornerback Kelvin Joseph, who was drafted by the Cowboys, I think, with like the 44th overall pick a few years ago. Is a very popular name at the end of round one to the Chiefs and mock drafts if you go back a couple years ago. And the man has never looked like a competent NFL cornerback, never looked like a good defender. Uh, He also had a situation off the field that I'm not really going to go into, but I live in Fort Worth and get a lot of Cowboys news and he got implicated in something that I thought was going to be career ending a couple years ago. He has not ever found a step as a defender, but he is an incredible special teams talent. He is one of the best special teams players you'll ever see. That never really brought any comfort to Cowboys fans who are like, we spent the 44th round, we spent the 45th overall pick on a gunner. That's never really like, been a very good consolation prize but i mean if you can get that for somebody that you're paying the league minimum to not a bad thing to have i think i think uncle dave will love him and you know the chiefs love a redemption project like if that's one thing you know that andy Reid and brett veach will go for is a former a former high draft pick redemption project that they can get on the cheap like that is a brett veach special right there um yeah i mean Listen, you know that the Chiefs love their 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 gunners. Uh Kramer, Kelvin Joseph, any takes on that? I mean, it's uh I think he'd be bold. I don't I don't know. I he might be good at special teams, but I would if I'm gonna guy as well that's on special teams, I want to make sure I know he can do something else as well. But I mean, if it's league minimum, go for it. It's I mean it's it's like a steal at that point. You don't have to do anything else. Look at Marcus Kemp. Marcus Kemp is a Chiefs hero as well. I mean, a legend. <laughs> that's a fair. legend of Arrowhead Stadium. Marcus oh, Kemp oh. never did anything yeah, this else. High second round pick. You played seventy percent of the Cowboys special team snaps two years ago. 
but they do like those projects. Like the Chiefs definitely love doing that type of thing. Oh, 100 percent The Chiefs love doing that. Okay, so let's uh let's look at uh pin guys who the Chiefs are currently looking at at losing here. There's a you know, there's always a super there's a tax for winning the Super Bowl. And what happens is that you a lot of times you lose a lot of guys in free agency right after a championship season. And also, once those guys hit the open market, teams overpay for guys who have won a Super Bowl. Like, that's just a simple fact. And so running down really quick, the list of guys that the Chiefs are uh, currently set to lose via free agency. Uh, Nick Allegretti, the Super Bowl hero, the warrior, the Iron Man, the guy who doesn't need a UCL, who doesn't need an elbow, Nick Allegretti. God, the offensive lineman is going to need Tommy John surgery. Yeah, like how, like, talk about the rarest of rare situations an offensive lineman getting Tommy John surgery. Like, how is he going to play in the, uh, in the, in, in the big slick softball game? You know, if he, how's he going to pitch if he's just had Tommy John surgery? And as long as he doesn't pitch, I mean, he can still oh. hit. I mean, that's what Bryce Harper or Shohei Tan is going to do this year. No, oh, that's fair. Okay, fair. All right. So, Nick Allegretti. Just go hit somebody. Yeah. Just go somebody. Um, so Nick Allegretti, Blake Bell, Dion Bush, Mike Dana, Mike Edwards, the nurse, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Blaine Gabbert, Juice Man Willie Gay Jr., Super Bowl hero Michael Hardman, Darius Harris, Star Tack, defensive tackle Chris Jones, Jet McKinnon, uh, Derek Nadi, Donovan Smith, Legarius Sneed, the hair, Tommy Townsend. Drew Tranquil, Turk Wharton, J- long snapper James Winchester, and Richie James. That's quite a list of guys the Chiefs are currently set to lose. Of that list, who's who's here and who's gone? Like who's like who's already like 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 looking for uh, houses in another city, Jared? And who's who who's who's hoping to that the Chiefs retain them? I have zero doubt James Winchester will be back with the Chiefs. Um, Bold take, Jared Sapp. Bold take. I think Chris Jones is back. And I think Legereus needs probably on a franchise tag, I think. I, I think that's the those two is going to be the priority. Everybody else, some of them might be back after – they get a chance to look at teams. Um, Nick Allegretti, the Chiefs gave him a very special contract last year where they are able to give him some money off the salary cap. If he does, if he's expected to be able to play, which it sounds like that's not going to be a concern, if he doesn't get a deal from another team, I think they'll probably continue that that way. I think most of these guys are going to be gone or – if they're back with the Chiefs, it's not going to be until later in the offseason when the Chiefs are just trying to fill out their roster. But I I think they'll find a way to keep Jones and Sneed for the run-it-back Kramer, season. Kramer, who is 100% not coming back off this list that you think? Who do you think is 100% gone? I think it's Chris Jones. I 100% think Chris Jones is not going to be a Chief next year. I I, I know he said he wants to, he's going to come back. He is. I just don't think the money's going to add up. There was a reason why he was up in the bleachers week one against the Lions with his agents next to him. Like, there's a reason why he was there. I know he conceded he ended up coming back, but is that going to happen again if he still has those same agents? 
Like, do we he really also, think Chris Jones is going to want the lowest dollar amount? Like, he's already won no. rings. No, he's not going to want the lowest dollar amount, but he also conceded that he lost money doing that and that it was a stupid decision to hold out and that he, he shouldn't have done it. And so do I think he's going to do that again? No. Does that mean he's not going to go to the highest bidder on another in, a, in another city? He very well may. Um, you know, uh, I think the Seattle Seahawks might be very interested in a guy like Chris Jones on the Because how market. I look at it, it's either Sneed or Jones. You got to keep one. And if it's me, I'm keeping Sneed. I think I got to keep Chris Jones just because of the strength of the overall secondary that you have. You can absorb a loss of Sneed. Um, you can move Trent McDuffie if you have to in that kind of Sneed follow follow guy role. Um, if you need to, you still, you still have some depth there at cornerback. Um, but if you lose Jones, there is no there is no Jones replacement in the NFL, let alone on the Chiefs roster currently. So I think Jones has to be your number one priority. Um, I understand as a Raiders fan, you really hope that he ends up playing in Las Vegas someday. Oh, no. Actually, in, I, I, should, I wouldn't, don't prefer him being in Las Vegas, even though he did like one of my tweets before it was Twitter or X or whatever it is now. He liked my tweet saying that uh, he would look good in silver and black. Everybody looks good in black. It's slimming. I wear black 90% of the days that I'm alive because it hides my muffin top. Like, like everybody looks good in black, Kramer. That's why it's <laughs> okay. black. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, I also think that, uh, honestly, I think if you're looking at this list, Mike Dana's probably gone as well. I think he's going to get overpaid. I don't think that there's a world where the Chiefs can afford to bring back Willie Gay Jr. and Drew Tranquil, and I think for what they offer, the Chiefs are going to opt for Drew Tranquil. Willie Gay's kind of already made it known that he doesn't seem like the Chiefs have mentioned. <laughs> like, it seems like Willie Gay seen the writing on the wall that his last days in Kansas City – have already occurred and that they are not going to make him a priority. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, there was an emotional moment after the Super Bowl as well, where that may have possibly been the same thing as well. I would like to see him bring back Clyde Edwards Hilaire because by all accounts, I mean, A, the guy's a reliable player. He wasn't not as a first on draft pick, wasn't it supposed to be a first on draft pick. Doesn't have to be a first on draft pick on a second contract, but he's the best teammate, he's the best locker room guy you're gonna get. And he's also going to be a nurse. So in case of a medical emergency, got an extra set of hands um, around. I would just like to see him to come back. I think he offers a lot and he's in, and he's a guy that you can bring in off the bench. Um, and he can, he can pretty much fill in in any situation. He can pass, protect, he can catch. He's not going to fumble the ball. Um, he's, he's just a, a solid all around dude for you. Jared, any, any, any thoughts about anybody else that you think that you would like to see the Chiefs bring back? When I look at like some of the offensive players, I see names like Hardman, um, Jet McKinnon. I don't really Blake Bell. I don't. I hope the Chiefs are able to maybe bring in some new blood for like their their offensive depth positions because when the offense struggled through the throughout the year, I think a lot of it, the players on the field really just sold whatever the play was. So with some of these guys up. I hope that their first inkling is to maybe just look outside the organization. So no, I, I would, I would like to kind of see them grow by moving on from some of these guys, even if it's really going to hurt to see some of them in a different uniform. I, I agree with that. I think so. I think that there's some guys that the chiefs have gotten a little too com comfortable with and that there is opportunities for upgrades, especially 
maybe at the tight end position outside of Travis Kelsey, especially since Travis Kelsey is entering the twilight of his career that she's really, I think, need to invest in somebody who has the ability to be a starting number one tight end in this league to start kind of bringing them along to replace Kelsey, whether that's a free agent acquisition like Noah Fant or Mike Gusecki, um, or somebody that they draft, they take in the draft, you know, uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, they seem to start looking at life after Travis Kelsey at the, at the tight end position. And speaking of life after Travis Kelsey at the tight end position, are we going to see life after Jody Fortson this year? Has Jody Fortson played his last snap in a chief's uniform? Tell me it's not so, but, but is it so, is it so Kramer? Yes, Rocky. It's uh, it's time. It's time. It's time to let him go. It's the, yeah, just let him go. It's, it's time. I feel like a Celine Dion song right now. If I needed to cast somebody to play Jody Fortson in a movie, it might be Isaiah Gathings. So there's that. Oh yeah, you're right. I, I don't mean, think there's gonna be a right. movie about Jody Fortson anytime soon. So that's uh bite your tongue. Like, I mean, blindside part two, the Jody Fortson story. This time they yeah. actually care about the player. Yeah, there you go. Okay, not, all right, there we it go. It will not shock it will not shock me if Jody Fortson's in camp on a minimum salary deal. He's not getting a three million dollar restricted free agent tender. I'm very certain of that. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that a hundred, a hundred percent. Okay, so as we say goodbye to these Super Bowl champion, these two-time Super Bowl champion, in a lot of cases, uh, free agents that the Chiefs are leaving, are losing um, to the open market. I wanted us just to take a moment and kind of commemorate and appreciate these uh, exiting free agents by each of us choosing a song from the 1990s that summarizes how we feel about what these players have given to us. Um, and I'll start off. Um, and mine is, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday by boys to men. Um, because and you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to sing it. I can't sing, but you know, I'm going to sing it. You know, this is to every single chiefs free agent currently leaving and going on the X on the uh, open market. How do I say goodbye to what we had? All the good times that made them something. All right, that's, that's all I'm gonna get. That's all I'm gonna give you guys. Uh, but I love you, every single one of the Chiefs free agents that we're currently losing. You've given everything to this city, and you've given us two Super Bowl championships, and nobody can ever take that away from us. All right, Kram, you're up next. So I'm what's a 96 your, uh, baby. Song? I'm a 96 baby, so I really don't know much about the 90s. Um, I, even though I could say classify, like I can know some. But I thought uh, Smash Mouth, uh, oh uh, my gosh, but it's uh, All-Star. Because these guys, no one expected them to do what they did. I mean, they went back-to-back Super Bowl champions with some of these guys. And one guy that is like the epitome of that song is Nick Allegretti. It's the truth. Can you, guys, guys, Nick Allegretti, it's like, oh, I heard my elbow pop. And then you hear Travis Kelsey on the New Heights podcast saying, all I know is that Nick Allegretti is storming up and down the side of the sidelines going, somebody give me an arm brace. Give me an arm brace right now. I got to get back in the game. 
like he didn't even know like he didn't even tell his teammates that he hurt himself they just knew that he was screaming for an arm brace and then while they're filming the podcast the news drops that he that he tore his ucl and they're like what he had a torn ucl the whole time he was playing like his team he didn't even tell his teammates like the man was like that he was on a redemption miss mission we're talking kurt Schilling, bloody sock situation nobody can ever take that redemption story away from nick allegretti after having to play against the bucks in the super bowl and that whole offensive line getting blown up by the bucks front four in that in that game to 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 the going in and fighting through a ucl tear and and winning the super bowl nick allegretti you are an all-star you are an all-star nick yes sir oh my gosh i love you man i love you so much uh, Jared, all right, what's your song? I love these this back-to-back team so much, and the first time that I see somebody is signing somewhere else, I'm going to have the opening chord playing in my head of Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. because just thinking about every single TV show when somebody's moving out, you hear that opening chord, That that's where I'm going to, man. Mm. Everybody Hurts. Sometime. Uh, that's going to be me. Yeah. Oh, it's ripping my heart out just thinking about it. Okay. Well, as we continue to talk a little bit about free agents here, uh, with this upcoming free agent class, there's a lot of uh, kind of big names out there in free agency. Whether Chiefs will go to be players in that, probably not likely, like the Mike Evans, the Michael Pittman Juniors, the uh, Calvin Ridleys of the world. Um, but possibly, you know. Beach has done crazier things in his life. Um, what's one free agent crush that you guys think that you would like for the Chiefs to sign? Uh, Kramer, you go first. So this, my crush for them is only if they do not retain Chris Jones in any sort of way. And that's Christian Wilkins. I, I, I find him very interesting. He's a, a, a I would say he's almost too pretty much close to being a level almost to the Chris Jones. I mean, clearly you're going to be taking a step back, losing Chris Jones if it does happen. I mean, this guy tied for fifth in sacks last year. He's able to get the solo tackles as well, forcing fumbles. Like, I like him in a Chiefs uniform, and I can see it actually working too. And only like, what, $20 million is probably what he's going to be offering for, so it's going to be cheap per year, cheaper than what Chris Jones is going to give you. I mean, I mean relatively cheap compared yeah. to uh, to Chris Jones. All right, Christian Wilkins. Like, if 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 Christian Wilkins is your consolation prize to Chris Jones, I'll take it. Um, I think I'd still rather have Chris Jones for the money. Clearly, um, clearly. But but if he's if it's not a possibility, then sure. All right, Jared, who you got? So one thing I'd like to see the Chiefs do about a week into free agency is try to bargain shop on the running back market because I love Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco has a pair of Super Bowl victories his first two seasons and a pair of shoulder surgeries. And they really need to have a 1A running back. If Austin Eckler is still available like a week into free agency, I I would like to see what it would take to bring him to Kansas City. I'm not interested in the contract he seemed to think he was worth a year or so ago. But if he lingers as running backs tend to do, I think he might have a really strong second chapter of his career and more of a part-time role, kind of like Jet McKinnon. I would love to see Austin Eckler in this offense. I think that he is like 
Andy Reid's like dream come true. I think that if Andy Reid had Austin Eckler, he would just start drooling and call him his little cheeseburger, like out on the field. Like, oh, come here, my little cheeseburger. I'm gonna feed you the ball so much, my little cheeseburger. I'm gonna put extra, extra lettuce and tomatoes and pickles on you, my little cheeseburger. Um, for me personally, I think the Chiefs need a solid possession receiver so that they can kind of focus on keeping um Rashi Rice and developing him on the outside and then and then sign another guy who can stretch the field but to do that they need a solid slot receiver um and so I'm going with Tyler Boyd he's a guy who is he's he's 29 he's he's not a young guy but he's a guy who's consistently been a reliable professional receiver who um when called upon has stepped up in the past um, he's kind of um, been an afterthought since the Bengals went out and got, you know, uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. But prior to that, he was their number one dude there for for a hot minute. Um, he's he's not a guy who's going to stretch the field. He's not an over athletic guy, but he's a savvy route runner and he's a guy who's not afraid to go over the middle and move the chains. And so I think that uh, Tyler Boyd would be my pick for the Chiefs. He's also got really good hands, like really good hands. And that's what the it's Chiefs almost need. Like, that's literally what the Chiefs yeah, so, need is really good hands. It's almost like the Chiefs just need a guy who can just get out there and catch the ball. You know? Crazy. All right. Moving forward, let's talk some draft priorities. Um, I've been I've been I started watching uh this draft class back in really back in September. Um, been grinding the tape um all off season. And I've uh and really when I look at this roster, I think that the Chiefs um draft priorities should should be wide receiver defensive tackle offensive tackle linebacker tight end maybe maybe if there's because of the depth of the position if you're sitting there and there's a cornerback sitting there that's kind of high up your draft board um that kind of slid you know if you have a guy like if you're sitting there in the second round and and quinion mitchell or tj tampa are sitting there at the end of the of the second or third round then i almost think you have to jump on a guy like that. Um, and then the Chiefs, like kind of like uh Jared mentioned, I think the Chiefs need to uh look at another running back. They're losing both Clyde and and Jarek McKinnon this offseason. And Isaiah Pacheco has had has had durability issues. Um they need us they need they need a third down running back, or they also need a guy to spell Isaiah Pacheco in case of injury. So um those are the uh, and you don't want to sign if you could obviously Austin Eckler is a different situation, but you don't want to go out and spend big money on a running back in free agency ever. So you're going to be looking in the draft to uh, build it. Um, what do you guys think, um, um, Crane? What's that? What should the Chiefs' draft priorities be I, this year? The biggest one, you know, circled twice, is getting that left tackle. Like it's uh, it's time. It's time to get you your Eric Fisher that you had in your trenches there for how many years he was here for it. Uh, it's uh, I and then after that, wide receiver clearly is a, a need, and you also got to look at linebacker. I think those are the two, like those are the three things they need to circle down and star next to of them trying to get for this upcoming season because that's uh, you need a linebacker, you always do. You also obviously need that left tackle to keep Pat Mahomes upright because Donovan Smith, I know he's a Super Bowl champion, he, he wasn't doing it for me this past year. Yeah, the, the problem with the left tackle is that. When you once you get outside of um, Joe Alt and um, and and Olu Fash, Fashanu um, out of Penn State, there's not a ton of left tackle talent in this draft. A lot of the top guys are right tackles, 
And, Could you and, transfer those guys over to right tackles? I mean, it, I know they probably want to be drafted as a right tackle, but if you want to come join a Super Bowl team, and if you're like a guy that's a right tackle, it's close up to 6'8", 350. Be my left tackle, please. Can a guy transfer from right tackle to left tackle? Yeah. Sure. Can the guy that you draft transfer from right tackle to left tackle? You never know until you move him to left tackle. And that's then true. you draft a guy, and then suddenly – like, I mean, that's that's exactly what the Senior Bowl, East West Shrine Bowl, and uh, the um, and the Combine are for, and and also personal workouts. But like, if the guy's never done it with live bulls flying, you don't really know. And so, there's always an aspect of gamble when you're drafting a right tackle um, and moving them over to left tackle. You know. And so, uh, Jared, what's your thoughts? I think the Chiefs need a better solution at left tackle. I don't think you're going to find somebody at pick 32 in this draft, that's a better 2024 solution to left tackle than Wanya Morris. And I'm not really a giant Wanya fan. I just, I don't think, I think with this draft, I think if there's ever a time that we need to make a pick who we know has a week one role, it would be, it'd be this year. So I, I think they'll probably try to find a different version of Donovan Smith to come in and compete for left tackle this year. But I don't, I don't think their difference maker for 2024 is going to be available at pick 32. No, if you're looking at a difference maker in the first round, honestly, in this draft, you're, you're looking at wide receiver almost. I mean, I mean, there, there's some defensive tackles there that might be able to, you might be able to plug in, um, but you're never like, if like if you're drafting defensive tackle in the first round, it's because you lost Chris Jones and if you lost Chris Jones, you're not replacing Chris Jones in the first round of this draft at, at pick number 32. So if you're looking at a guy who's going to come in and make a difference in this draft, it's going to probably be wide receiver. Um, I've put together a, a Chiefs top 50 big board. Chiefs specific weighted for the positions of need, which basically means I took away the guards, the centers, and the quarterbacks, and and then I weighted the positions of need heavier. Um, I'll be tweeting it out um, sometime either today or tomorrow uh, for people if they want to check it out. Um, but uh, with it, it, basically, like, you're looking at pick 32, and you're really going to be looking at guys like possibly like Keon Coleman. Um, and I'm not even a huge Keon Coleman guy. He's a guy who's taking a huge slide down a lot of draft boards recently. But we're talking Jalen Polk, Keon Coleman, um, possibly, you know, a guy like a Jermaine Burton, maybe, or uh, one of the wide receivers out of Texas. Like, those are the type of wide receivers that you're going to be looking at around that range. Maybe, maybe a Troy Franklin, but he's probably honestly going to be gone by then, given all the teams that need deep threats in this draft. Um, at pick 32, uh, Jared, who would you who, – who who do you have your eye on that you think the Chiefs should, should be targeting sometime around pick 32? kind of feel like Keon Coleman is kind of getting overanalyzed, kind of like T. Higgins did a few years ago. Just you can't teach a dude to be that size. Um, I'm higher on Xavier Worthy than I think a lot of Chiefs fans are because I think he has a week one role. He has a skill that the Chiefs do not currently have on their roster. I, I think he's a pick that if you make him, he might – he might not turn out to be the best wide receiver you could have taken, but he's probably the best wide receiver to help you immediately with what you need in 2024. 
That makes sense. What about you, Kramer? So you're saying saying the Chiefs need offensive tackle first round, or what? Where, where, where are you going with pick thirty two? Pick thirty two. The, clearly, the offensive tackle is not there. It won't be there. Probably like in the mid fifties to sixties, possibly. But I mean, Lad McConkey out of Georgia, wide receiver. I think one of the best route runners in here. Can he fall though? That's the only thing that I I feel like. But I I I, I would like to see him in a Chiefs uniform. You want a five foot nine hundred and sixty five pound guy Dude with is injury quick. concerns. Dude with is injury quick. concerns. You Dude want a guy quick. who's never played a full season in college to hold up to a full season in the NFL. Oh man, I got Lad McConkey completely off my draft board, and I know that that is like not what people have. But I wouldn't touch Lad McConkey with a thousand foot pole. I think the guy plays eight games a year for six seasons, and then he's out of the league. I think maybe he has five hundred yards a year and maybe four touchdowns, but people were talking. To, I saw somebody compare him to Cooper cup. Cooper cup is six foot four. Are you kidding me? Lad McConkey is like a white tank Dell. Like with who's not as fast. Like, okay. Lad McConkey is fast and he runs good routes. The guy's going to get obliterated in the NFL. You want Lad McConkey then then draft he, Roman Wilson. He will out of spread Michigan. the field wide open Rocky. He will. Like, Gosh, I, pair him with have him and Rasheed Rice on opposite sides. Can you just imagine? Did, like, seriously, did Mark think Davis, about like you're as bad as the Raiders okay. GMs. Like, right. oh my gosh, okay. like like, okay. like, does Mark Davis consult you on who to hire for your guys to be your guys' no, GMs? Mark, Mark Davis doesn't. Uh, I'm gonna check the the speed route like Al Davis used to check. Oh my gosh, Jared, help me out here. Like Lad McConkey at 32. <laughs> if you. If you if you Google my now extensive work in three seasons for Arrowhead Pride somewhere, there's a thing I wrote a couple years ago about what a great fit for the Chiefs Sky Moore would be. And how wrong I was there really, really has me out on the cocky. See, uh, I mean, Kramer. I, I hope the Raiders draft Lad McConkey in the first <laughs> Honestly, round. I'd be or the second round. Don't need a yeah. yeah, I mean, he's going to be the next Hunter Renfro who, wow. Hunter Renfro has been really good the last couple of seasons for you. Okay. I, I mean, would you, would you take Hunter Renfro in the first McDaniels round? hated Hunter Renfro, and we all know this. Okay, then what did Antonio Pierce do with Hunter Renfro? This actually, isn't a Raiders podcast. No, all right. stop, okay. stop. No, I'm not talking about the You're Raiders. asking me the questions. <laughs> I know, and I'm stopping myself because I am ashamed of myself for even thinking about it. I like okay. Lamar Conkey, though. I, I think he's – in. But, Injury-wise, I know it's always a big if, but I think it'll be fine. No, oh, oh, I just I I need to wash my mouth out. I just puked a little bit in my mouth just hearing you suggest Lad McConkey at thirty-two. Um, all right, moving on, moving on. We're gonna talk more draft Chiefs Kingdom. Like this is this is a taste of what you have to look forward to this draft season of me and Kramer completely vehemently disagreeing on draft picks apparently. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. But uh, Jared, but you you had a chance to go down to the East West Shrine Bowl and kind of check some guys out there. Uh, was it an immense dearth of talent down there when you were uh, scouting it out? The dudes were working really hard. Um, I'm not really high on the depth of this draft. Like Brett Veach is kind of taking some criticism because he gave up a six round pick for Neil Farrell, who barely played. Until something happened, until something changed a week ago, um, he really was taking a beating for trading for McCall Hardman, which probably nullified a fifth round comp pick. 
I, I think there's a good chance that when you get there, that part of the draft, the Chiefs would have been picking from their undrafted free agent grades. Um, there were a lot of very interesting players who I think if they find the right fit could turn out to be interesting, but I would not have said I saw a uh, a dearth of talent. Uh, a couple short wide receivers not named Lad McConkie who I liked. Um, I really liked Malik Washington. He wound up not playing in the game, but he was college football's leader in receptions last year. And he's... It says he's five foot nine. He's probably not that tall, but like he's the biggest short wide receiver I think you've ever seen. Um, Taj Washington from USC was probably the best route runner I saw. I wish he, if he was a little bit bigger, I think he'd be probably sneaking maybe into day two of the draft if he was just acceptable size, but he's short and skinny. Um, Big wide receiver I liked. I, I was pretty high on what I saw from um, Texas San Antonio's Joshua Cephas, who word got out that he talked to the Chiefs, the hula ball. I'll give you my thoughts on that in a second. But um, he was actually really strong in the blocking game when he was catching the ball, which if you're a day three Chiefs wide receiver, that gets you on the field. What I most learned is that every team meets with everybody. Like I, I I could see their schedules in the hotel where I went for interviews. If I put out on social media that team X met with player X, it probably would technically be true because there's a big schedule when like every group met with each pod of four teams. So every team talks to everybody. And if you see like so-and-so met with the chiefs, at the shrine bow or the combine, it's their agent talking. That that's the big takeaway I I had. Um, is an awesome event. Is at the Cowboys facility in North Dallas, um, which is a beautiful facility. I got no love for the Cowboys. It's a beautiful facility. Um, I think it's up the road from where I think Clark Hunt lives in Dallas. So wouldn't shock me if a decade down the road there's something similar, maybe next to Arrowhead after the Royal situation's figured out. But it, it was a really fun event to get to go to. And. That, and I talked to some fun players, and if any of them wind up as Chiefs, um, maybe I'll get to share some of my comments. Oh, there are a lot of pretty high floor defensive tackles, including uh, Christian Boyd, who graduated from Blue Springs. He had a really good week. Um, I think there's probably some good options if you want, like, that run stuffing, Derek Naughty type. I, I don't think you need to pick that very early. I think there'll be some guys on day three who could probably develop into that pretty fast. You heard it right here. Jared Sapp does not like Devondre Sweat out of Texas. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he didn't say that. But uh, Christian Boyd's going to get drafted. Like He's a guy who's rising up draft boards um, um, pretty quickly, and so I, I'm really happy for him. Crame, uh, yeah, so there you have it. There's a couple of small wide receivers not named Lad McConkey. Okay, right. I mean, could get, like, Jared like, did like, say Lad McConkey sucks, right? basically before he said that all the other short wide receivers he didn't see. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, and Malik Washington is basically built like a running back. Like the guy is is as thick as they come for being as short as he is, you know. So he has a little bit of size to hold up. I watched I watched him in practice and just thought of him getting some of those like two yard targets that Kadarius Tony bounced right off of him. <laughs> and I thought, hey, this guy could actually do that. There you go, Malik Washington. I mean, out of Virginia, that's Malik Washington out of Virginia. Um, yeah, he was one of the leading receivers in the nation this year. 
um, a guy who worked a lot of those like short or intermediate um, design touches, um, a guy that the Chiefs probably could definitely, definitely use. Would you say that Malik Washington was your favorite player you saw down there? Is there somebody else who really kind of stole your heart and, and, and made you all a flutter? Um, I, I would say he was, he was the best wide receiver there. I mean, I, if he's not the – if I don't know how many wide receivers there are going to get drafted, but if he's not the first, I'll be shocked. Um, also looked at running back because the Chiefs have actually came out of the last two East-West Shrine Bowls with a running back. Isaiah Pacheco played there a couple years ago, and Daenerys Prince played in the East-West Shrine Bowl last year. Um, a running back I really like, Frank Gore Jr. got a lot of attention for how he played in the game, and and I think he's a pretty good prospect once you get past he's nothing like his dad. Like, don't expect to see his dad's thundering body type there. Um, I really liked a, a running back from Memphis named Blake Watson, how he played in the game. Just just a beautiful check down option in the passing game I really liked. I think he had actually been a wide receiver at Old Dominion originally, but then became a running back, I think, after transferring to Memphis. But I really liked what he looked like he could do in the passing game. There's some that this one is that Frank Gore Jr. is nothing like his father whatsoever. Oh, no. no, he is he is about 50 pounds lighter, two inches shorter. Like he is a completely different player. He's a lot faster than his dad was, though. He's more of a cut slashing type of guy. Um, I think you think more James Cook type of body type than you do Frank Gore's body type when you're thinking about Frank Gore Jr. One thing though to note about Frank Gore Jr. was starting his freshman year in high school. He started in the offseason. He trained with his dad and Derrick Henry type and like and all the other pros that his dad trained with in the offseason. So he's been training with NFL running backs since his freshman year in high school. And so there's something to be said about a guy who knows what it takes in the offseason and knows how to train um, coming out of college. That being said, with that kind of pedigree and that, that kind of skill, What's he doing playing at such a small school, right? And and this and the and the transfer with the transfer portal being what it is. And he is a smaller guy. Um, but you would think that maybe there might be a larger program that might have his eyes on him. So is there something we don't know um to his game? Like if you watch it, he uh he feasted on lesser competition during his college career and then really kind of struggled against bigger programs. Um, but when you're at a small school, you're only as good as you're blocking as a running back. And I think we saw that with Isaiah Pacheco um as well. Um, Kramer, any final thoughts on the East West Shrine Bowl? I mean, I'll be really honest. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of that stuff because uh, I, I know a guy like Jared's going to tell me and re- I can read all this stuff about it. And I'm glad you're here to tell me more. And it sounded like it was a hoot the entire time. Um, uh, but last one, y'all. I want to go to one. He needs to come down with me next year. You got. You heard it here with Kramer Sansone. He just wants you to tell him what to think instead of developing his own. Because I trust. I trust Jared. I do. There's a reason why he's he's on here with us. So there is a reason why Jared's on here with us. He is the smartest guy in the room in any room he walks into, and he makes us all smarter just but by I'm being also, on this podcast. I'm also easily influenced as well. So aren't we all? We all are. Honestly, um, Jared, dude, this has been awesome having you on here today. Um, anytime that we have you on here. It's always a treat. We always always learn so much from you. I, follow follow Jared on Twitter with at, at Truman Chief. Um, if you want to if you want to learn something about the game of football and about the business of football and about cap numbers and just overall just like how to look at football from an interesting and intelligent way, then he is a must follow 
on Twitter. Jared is one of the is, is one of the smartest guys that we have at Arrowhead. Probably one of the smartest guys in the game. Period. And so, Jared, dude, anytime that you're on this show, I am abs- it's an absolute honor. So, thank you so much for being on here today. Looking forward to being back. You're always welcome, buddy. And Kramer, you're just lucky to be here. Like, I mean, you're just lucky that I like having you. I'm like, I, I I'm like, like your, your intern. I'm your intern. Yeah, basically. intern Kramer. That's your new name. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe, maybe one day I'll let you uh, work your way up to co-host. But for now, we're just gonna have to keep you at intern Kramer. I just like you as a person, even though that you're a Raiders fan. I just, I just can't get enough of you, buddy. So this is gonna be a lot of fun this year. Hey, likewise, Rocky. Love you, buddy. All right. Well, I am Rocky. I am your host, Rocky Magania at Rocky Magania on X. Like I said, Jared Sapp is at Truman Chief and Kramer Sansone at Kramer Talks. Give us all a follow. Um, this week we're gonna have the um John and Pete will be back with the editor with uh with the editor show. And then later on this week on Friday, you're gonna have Ron Cobb Jr. bringing back the uh AP draft room. So that's something to, to watch out for. He always has way like we may be the fun draft show but he's the smart draft show so make sure you check him out if you're checking us out um and then great british cheese show and and coast to coast are both coming back this week they took a little bit of a break after the super bowl so those are both coming back pay attention to everything we got coming out on the website over arrowheadpride.com um as we ramp up draft coverage it's going to be coming out with more and more we're gonna we're grinding tape we're gonna be coming out with uh prospect reviews fits for the chiefs covering the draft um and so as we as we move into the offseason, we're gonna we're, we're going full force. There is no breaks. We're all gas all no breaks over at Arrowhead Pride, you guys. So um if you like what we're doing, if you if we if we've earned the privilege of your time, thank you so much for the privilege of your time of listening to us today. And you think that we earned earned your time and we didn't waste your time today, um, please go over and drop us a five-star review. We always appreciate those. Um, otherwise, like I said, I'm Rick McGonya, he's Kramer Sansone, he's Jared Sapp. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. And be good to each other, love each other, take care of each other. We'll talk to you later. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.